Hi, this is Kilian from Rice Reflections. Welcome to At Work, a podcast on all things inequality, injustice and oppression at work. So as you know, a lot has happened over the past couple of weeks. Living Well Black is now out in the world and the review have been fantastic. I could not wish for more support. I could not wish for more engagement. It has for sure exceeded my expectation and I'm grateful. And so I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to everyone who has read, ordered, pre-ordered, engaged with the book and the ideas that it contains. But there is perhaps at some level and in a minority of cases, some interesting dynamic that the publication of the book has exposed me to. And so I wanted to speak a little bit to that as well, not to shade the overwhelming positive response, but I guess to get us thinking about inequality, injustice and oppression in the workplace. And so the issue that I want us to think a little bit about and to engage with today is that of envy. Now, let's think about envy. Let us start off with a very basic definition so that we know that we are talking about the same thing. So I would refer to envy as feelings of distress, feelings of discontentment, feelings of resentment towards another person's good fortune, right? I think this is our everyday understanding of this so-called deadly sin. Now, analytically, psychoanalytically, when we think about envy, we tend to contrast it to jealousy in relation to the underlying impulse. So when we are thinking about envy, the impulse that is believed to lay beyond the envious feeling is the impulse to destroy, right? The impulse to therefore harm, or we might say even the impulse to punish the person that possess something that we want, right? As opposed to jealousy, where we tend to think the underlying impulse is more to do with possession. So a wish to reclaim, a wish to have, a wish to gain possession of what is envied. And that is really important when we think about issue of inequality, injustice and oppression, but particularly when we are thinking about racial dynamics. Now, if you are interested in the more perhaps sophisticated thinking, particularly the more analytic thinking around issues of envy and jealousy, their distinction and how they might connect to racism, I would invite you to read the piece that I've written a few years ago now, which is entitled 
white neuroses, uh, racial violence and white envy. And that piece is still freely accessible. So if you uh, fancy reading it, go on race reflections. In the resource section, there is a subsection that shares free access pieces from race reflections and you will find it in this section. And so I don't want to go too much into the more I would say, theoretical differences or understanding. But suffice to say that there is an important distinction between envy and, and jealousy. And that distinction is related to the underlying impulse. Now, how does that link to the publication of Living While Black? But also, more importantly, how does that link to envy becoming manifest in the workplace? And more precisely, envy becoming manifest in the workplace and being related to uh, racial issues, racial conflict, right? Issues of inequality, injustice and oppression. Now, let me give you a couple of examples to try to contextualize what I am talking about in relation to the book, right? So I've received, again, as I said, overwhelmingly 95, 97% of the comment of the contribution that Living While Black has attracted have been positive. So it's important to bear that in mind in terms of balance. But there has been some comment that have left me feeling quite uncomfortable, or I would say perhaps quite intrigued and smiling at times. And I'm talking about maybe four or five people who have come to me with what I would refer to as passive aggressive comment demonstrated their ambivalence, what we might refer to as mixed feeling towards my achievement. So there has been subtle put down and there has been perhaps what I would refer to, and that is a new expression that I've learned fairly recently, faint praises where you are given a praise, but the praise that you are given is mitigated by a more critical comment. Now, you might say, well, this is what we do, and perhaps that is what we do. But I would suggest it's still something to think about, given the event that we are reflected on, right? So we're talking about a book launch, a significant achievement, I would say, certainly in the eyes of most people, and not only a significant achievement by virtue of writing a book, but a significant contribution, I would say, in relation to Black mental health. So you might be curious and think about, well, what is that about? Why the need to put the author of the book down? That's a question to bear in mind. And if you revisit, by the way, that piece on Envy that I've just referenced a couple of minutes ago, which used Fanonian thinking as well as Wachleinian thinking to understand racial dynamics, perhaps that might illuminate or help illuminate the response to that question. But let us think about the workplace in particular, because one thing that some of us have had to navigate as people of colour, particularly as black bodies in 
the workplace is envy, right? And envy in the workplace can look very differently, right? Uh, so it's not necessarily faint praises that we're talking about. It can really go as far as sabotaging a person for an opportunity, for a skill that the envious party feel they deserve and are not getting. It can sometimes look like false remorse being circulated to try and affect the credibility of the black member of staff or the, the black manager. And it can sometimes look like simply excluding people who are highly talented, who have high level of potential because of the fear that they might either fulfill that potential. So therefore overtake, quote unquote, certain employees, usually employees who are white or employees with more power. So it is sometimes believed that workplaces, employers desire to gate the best out of everyone in the workplace in the interest of fulfilling the organization's aims and even the bottom line, we might say. Now, I know that's not the case. Most black people, people of color will tell you that is not the case. If that was so, then we wouldn't be dealing with the sort of inequalities in the workplace in relation to promotion and talent being wasted on the basis of other dynamics, right? And so I don't want to get into the more classical dynamic that we are speaking about indirectly. I want us to stay with envy and envy being a factor in black staff or brown staff not being recognized, not being afforded opportunities that are commensurate with their level of experience, with their level of skills and with their level of knowledge. Now, the problem that we have with envy is that not only it is, quote unquote, a deadly sin, and it's quite important because it means that culturally we have learned to disown envy. Envy is quite a taboo emotion. And so as a result, oftentimes it is in the room, but it is not own. While the person who is the object of envy, so might be at the receiving end of violence related to envious feeling, we might call it envious attack, feel that they are under the strain of something that feels hostile, under the strain of something that feels violent, under the strain of something that might even feel excluding, but might not necessarily be able to put it in language or use word to explain what they are experiencing. Now, one example that I have given in a recent piece that I wrote, now this piece is only accessible to members, is how a few years ago in a semi-professional context, a group of white women essentially ganged on me. And the reason why they ganged on me get ready for that, is that because I was too powerful. That was actually an, a reason that was advanced. In addition, 
to me writing all the time. And so therefore there were fear that I would be writing about the group who took issues with my quote-unquote power and quote-unquote writing all the time. Now we can clearly see that uh, part of the disturbance, part of the distress is easy to link to envious feeling whereby the people concerned might have desired the power that they perceived in me, might have desired the capacity that they perceived in me when it came to language. So that is the first thing. The second thing to think about is how a transgression, social transgression, organizational transgression can elicit or trigger envious feeling in white people. So the question that I want to to put to you is whether a white man, perhaps with a capacity to write, perhaps even an ease to write, perceived to be powerful, would have elicited the same kind of response. So hostility, response, distress, anguish, in relation to those two, let's call them qualities for now. Now, I'm not going to give you the answer to that, but I would ask you to think about it. Now, what I want to put to you nonetheless is that transgression, social transgression, can be a really important vector of envious attack and envious feeling, right? Throughout history, when Black people have sought to advance themselves socioeconomically, there has been a backlash one way or the other. And we can't separate those kind of social group collective uh, backlash from envy. And we could even make the argument that Brexit and the white lash that followed, for example, the decision to have a referendum or even the backlash that followed the referendum was born out of envy when clearly there is a large uh, proportion of the population of this country who is white and feels aggrieved, right? Now, this sense of grievance has been well documented. It's well written about, it's worth doing some research if you are interested. But the same sense of grievance that we have witnessed via Trump and Brexit and the rise in, say, neo-fascism, for example, can be directly linked to envious feeling in the sense that it's not only that we see the other with black or brown possessing something that we want for ourselves, but we feel is not obtainable, but it is also because the person who is black and brown, who is seen to have something that we do not have, is believed or constructed as not being deserving of that which is Envied. And so that is very, very important. That is very important to grasp that because that allows us to understand why certain bodies, black and brown bodies, might be more at risk of envy in the workplace because the envy, again, is not only because they possess some quality or they are perceived to possess some qualities that their white peers or their white colleagues or even the, the white managers in some times might desire. It is fundamentally because at some level of consciousness, those qualities are deemed not to be deserved. And that is very important.
So, what can we do? As you know, at work is all about thinking and reflecting on possible solutions, right? What we can do to those sort of blockers that are likely to pose problem to organization who want to be more inclusive, to organization who have um, aspiration to be anti-racism and for organization who want to pursue social or racial justice. What can we do? Firstly, very straightforwardly, learn about Envy. Envy is a group dynamic. It's present in every group. How it looks like in your particular local context is going to be dependent. But I guess it's important that we make space to speak about Envy. And part of making space to speak about Envy is to de-shame and to try to remove the taboo that is associated with the dynamic because actually feelings of envy not only are natural and very human and we all have the capacity to be envious but I guess what is really important in experiencing envy for the person who is let's say the bearer of envious feeling is that it can give us really important cues about what we feel is lacking from our life, from our career, from the kind of existence that we would want to be. So that is something that we are depriving ourselves of if we are not prepared to own up to envy and to consider what it might tell us about what we believe might be missing from our life. So number one, name the shame. Let's try to think about how we can lose the taboo of envy. Number two, and that is more to do with people who might be at the receiving end of envy. There's lots of advice around uh, putting your head down and avoiding boasting or being boastful of achievement, not parading things that we are proud of or that we might have had some success in. I'm not sure that I agree Actually, I think that for the envious object, particularly if the person is of color or marginalized in other way, it's important to understand that what is envied in them is also their power or connects to their power. And so to disconnect to our own power in order to try to be safe in order to try to limit the occurrence of envious attack is counterproductive, right? Because one way to defend against envious attack is to connect to our power. My thinking these days is more to advocate the opposite and to say to people who might be at the receiving end of envious feeling to think about what it connects them to. What is their gift? What is their power? What is their talent? What is their skills? What is their knowledge that is triggering the envious response? And when they can connect to that, then essentially to really indulge, to develop them, to bathe in them. This is how they are going to, I would say, build some protection around their vulnerability to envious attack. And number three, I guess this is more 
a institutional response or an institutional intervention. And it is to think about favoritism and it is to be thinking about differential treatment. We know that rivalry, we know that competition, like in a family, is more likely to thrive if people perceive that some employees, some bodies in the workplace are receiving preferential treatment. And sometimes we can be at the receiving end of envy or envious attack if we are perceived to be receiving additional or extra attention or privileges. And so that is also important for bosses, for managers, for institutions to think whether they are fair, to think whether the distribution of attention, of airtime, of benefits is equitable within the workplace. Uh, because inequities in relation to these things is likely to increase the probability of envious attack. And because as we have spoken about several times already, uh, black and brown people are more likely to be um, isolated, uh, so therefore be the only ones. They're also more likely to be the repository of group and individual projection, in part because they are the only one. Then people likely to experience envious attack, I'm afraid, are also likely to be the marginalized bodies. So, Essentially, good leadership skill, thinking about equality, thinking about equity in the workplace is also something that is going to be indirectly reducing the occurrence of the more dysfunctional manifestations of envy. So I hope that is enough to get you thinking about envious attack, about difference, about racism, about transgression. And if you would like to continue the conversation, please at me at Gillen as in my first name, or send us comment, queries and suggestion for the episode to come. So that is it for today's episode. That was Gillen from Rest Reflections. Until next time. Please take care.